I want to invite everyone here today. Welcome to our anniversary service and our Sunday service. And before we begin, I want to share with you a scripture uh, that's on my heart. And it's found in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And the words are from Joseph. And Joseph, when he reunites with his brothers and his father, this is what he says. He said this, he said, you intended to harm me. You intended evil against me. But God intended it for good. What is that good? To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. We knew that in our lives, as we go through this journey, the scripture reminds us that those who are in God, those who are in Christ, there are no coincidences, there are no accidents. There are trials and tribulations and testings, especially testings that the Lord journeys us through. And in those moments, we need to turn to Him and we need to give thanks to our Father and come with a thankful heart. So today I want to challenge you I know for some of us, this year has been a challenge, and it's been a trying journey, but may we turn to the Lord right now with thanksgiving, and with this song as an offering to the Lord, as we sing this, may we not just go through the motions, but may it be our prayer, and may it assist us in our worship to our Father in heaven. Let's sing together. I come before you today And there's just one thing that I want to say Thank you, Lord
sin and my shame You took my sickness and healed all my pain Thank you, Lord Thank you, Lord With a grateful Father, first and foremost, once again, thank you, Lord, for this journey, for this life, and for where we are in. We thank you in the midst of our situation. We lift up our hands in the midst of the storm. We understand that you are here with us, right on the boat. You are here, the God of our life, the King of kings, the Lord of all. You are here with us. Lord, we look to you in the midst of the season. And Lord, we lift up our hands, even when the water is up to our boats, we lift up our hands and worship. Even when we're soaking wet, tired, and weary, we lift up our hands and worship you, for we are safe. And as Peter walked on water, we walk with you in faith. We walk with you in this journey, for our foundation is not the ground that we are standing upon, this building or the cement, this wood, wherever we are standing, Lord, spiritually we are standing on a firm foundation that is found in Jesus Christ. Upon the solid rock we stand, upon the solid rock I stand with Christ. And as you transition to the message, Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of all the hearts for those who are here today, as they are listening here today, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. Give us clean hands and a pure heart to worship you in true spirit and in truth. We thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things. Your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. 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 
Amen. In mid-19th century India, a man converted to Christianity by Welsh missionaries was confronted by the chief of his village. The chief commanded him to renounce his newfound faith in Christ or face grave consequences. In response to the chief's threats, however, the man only replied, Infuriated, the village chief dragged the man's family outside and began to threaten them with bodily harm. The man, unflinching, responded to the leader's ultimatum. and desperate to save face among the people, the village chief slaughtered the man's family in front of him. He turned his eyes to the steadfast convert, demanding that he either deny the works of Jesus or face his own death. In the center of the public square, the man was bound, beaten, thrown to the ground, and slowly crushed to death. But not without a final defiance of the village chief. As his bones were breaking and his lungs collapsing, the man's final words rang out in song through the village square. The call of Christ is clear. Forsake the dark and powerless system of this world and cling to the saving hope of the cross. Then and only then can you look to the shackles of your former life and declare that there is no turning back. Amen. I pray that we would open up our hearts and our ears open wide uh, to receive today's message. Uh, it's, it was a journey to come to the conclusion of today's message because I originally had a different message in mind, uh, twice actually, but uh, changed it for the third time. And on number three, I believe that we need to get it as pastors. Uh, we need to know exactly what we're gonna preach. And we cannot just preach just because we have the work done and the notes done. Uh, I believe that you need to always listen to what the Lord is saying to you, especially for the season that we are in. Because today is our anniversary service, uh, the Lord led me to today's topic and today's message. And I want to share this with you. And I want to encourage you to open up your hearts wide open to receive as a sponge from the Word of God. And may we open up our ears wide and open our eyes big so that we can see the truth today. Uh, originally, and I will be saving these messages for the future, it was about the stewardship, uh, being what it means to be a normal Christian steward, and then led to what it means to be a real, true disciple in regards to related with the video that we just watched. But I believe that today, uh, the Lord is just reminding us to receive and to meditate uh, more than 
uh, doing, 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 which is good. But let's get to a point where we're being in Christ and we are restored and rested in Him. And may we meditate today as this is our anniversary, uh, the journey that we, we've been on, that we were walking on, and that we are walking in. And may we turn to the Lord with true thanksgiving. Amen? Amen. With that, the title of today's message is called, it's titled, What a Journey. Thank you, Lord. What a journey. Thank you, Lord. I want to use Joseph today as a reference. In Acts chapter 9, verse 9, it says, Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph. It's talking about the brothers of Joseph. They sold him as a slave into Egypt, but who? But God was with him. Who is him? With Joseph. And if you know the history, let me just go ahead and quickly share with you, using the scripture as our assistance. In Genesis 37, verse 11, it says his brothers were jealous of him. And at this point, Joseph was just a young boy. But his father kept the matter in mind. Fast forward, verse 28, same chapter 37. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. Genesis 39, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph so that he, what, prospered. Yes, he was going through trials and testings and hardships, but he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Genesis 39, verse 21, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Genesis 43, verse 30, Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. Genesis 45, verse 4, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. What they did in chapter 37, verse 28, When they sold him into, as a slave into Egypt, he reveals himself and tells them, I am your brother, the one that you saw. Genesis 45, verse 14. Then he threw his arms around his brother, Benjamin, that's his younger brother, and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. Genesis 46, verse 29. Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father, Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. And it ends with this, Genesis 50, verse 20. What I shared earlier, you intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Amen and amen. And we all know the story of Joseph, how God favored him, God used him, and God was with him. 
Even when he was wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife, he went to prison for a long time, and God gave him a gift to be able to reveal the dream that the Pharaoh had, and God put him in a high position. And then there was a famine in the land, and all the people in the world, they were starving, and they came to Egypt to look for direction, for Joseph was the only individual who knew and knew how to interpret the dream through the gift of God. And through that, he is reunited with his brothers, with his father, with his, specifically his brother, Benjamin. And that's how all, they all end up in Egypt. And that's how the story of Moses comes about in the next story. And we see Joseph in his journey in his life. Not once, never once, did he blame the Lord or had a cold heart towards God. In every situation, in every season, in everything that he went through, he said, thank you, Lord. So before we continue on with today's message, in our breath, in our heart, under our breath, let us take a moment right now, and can we just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Not just for only the gifts and the provisions that you provide, but Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for you, for who you are. And help us today to be victorious, not to be victims. Help us to be victorious today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today's message is going to be divided into two parts like a coin. Just imagine a book, split it down the middle, and just open it. And the first part, I want to focus on Thanksgiving. So the first section will be giving thanks. So the heads of the coin will be thanks. Give thanks to God. And then the second part, I'm going to change it up and go to repent. So first section, let's talk about giving thanks. Let me share the scripture with you. It says in Psalm 100, just like the song that we just sang earlier, 1 through 5, it says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. And his courts with? Praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through what? Through all generations. That's Psalm 100, verse 1 through 5. And in Psalm 136, verse 1 through 3, skipping to verse 26, it says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to God of God's. And then the audience says, let's say his love endures forever. Every time I say something, say his love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of God's. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love, love endures forever. Amen. amen. And amen. So what do we thank the Lord for? Thank you, Lord, for number one, the word. The word, the word. Before his word was written, 
the Word was with God. Before it was written on paper, it was with the Lord from the beginning, and the Word was God. It says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was a light of all mankind. And who is that light? It is Christ. So Jesus Christ is the Word. The Word is the Word of Christ. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. And it says in John, if you continue on in verse 14, the Word is capitalized. The Word, W, became flesh. It is fully man, fully God, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This year, where would we have been without his word? If the word of God wasn't being fed to us on Sundays, if we didn't dine and chew on the word of God during the week, where would we be? Where would we have been this year without the word of God? The Bible is very clear. Every writer who wrote the word of God, specifically Psalm 119 verse 72, he says, the law from your mouth is more precious to me the word of God is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. The word of God is more precious than any diamonds, any precious metals, than anything that we can buy. Any car, any vehicle, any house, any relationship is greater than everything. The word of God is the greatest. Everything else is secondary. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. That's what the psalmist says. He says the word of God, it brings deep cleaning to our soul and our spirit, which leads to a clean body. I'll say it again. It cleans our soul and our spirit, which cleans up our life, our body. The word of God brings encouragement to our soul and spirit. And if our soul and spirit is encouraged, it leads to a victorious life. It's like cleaning your habits. You eat healthier foods. Your inside, as it's clean, your outside, the skin, and everything else, our body becomes clean. So the word, what does it do? So point letter A. Please write, fills me, fills me. It fills you, it makes you full. Jesus is very clear when he was here for three years on earth. He said in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. John 4, 14, the Samaritan woman, says whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus goes on in John 6. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. 
I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus goes on, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Amen. I say it again. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And we know the history of Exodus. Yes, God provided them with food and water but they died. They rebelled. They died in the desert for 40 years. They wandered, and they died. But those who entered the promised land, the land of Canaan, which is Israel, what happened? They fed on who? They fed on the Lord. Today, we need to be filled. Again, letter A. The word fills me. Fills me. Are you filled with the word of God here today? B, guides me. If you could write, guides me. The word of God guides you. The same psalmist in Psalm 119, he says, your statutes are my delight, they are my counselors. Meaning his word is your counselor. Your counselor is who? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the word of God. It says, your word is a lamp, lamp, a flashlight. Imagine a pitch dark place and you're not able to see. The word of God is our light. For what? For my feet, a light on my path. So the word of God gives me light. It guides me. Let us see. Please write this down. I know it's not a word, but wise is me. Wise is me. W-I-S-E-S. Wise is me. It makes you wise. That's what I'm trying to say. Makes you wiser in this life. A lot of smart people in this world, but doesn't mean that we are wise. We be grow wise and we become wise when we are in the Word of God, when we study the Word of God, when we meditate on the Word of God, when we eat and dine on the Word of God. That's why Psalm 119, the same psalmist, he says, I run in the path of your commands, which is the word of God. For you have broadened my understanding. It's like broadening your, your shoulders and your muscles. You exercise and you eat and you feed on the protein, on the word of God. For you have broadened my understanding. The same psalmist, he says, in Verse 98, your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. 
I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I, may, I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Again, understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. How do you hate every wrong path? Because you grow wise through the word of God. The word of God transforms you which leads to letter D. Please write, convicts me, convicts me, convicts. The word of God reveals who we are and what our crime is, and it leads us, it transforms us, leads us to the right path. It brings conviction, conviction which leads to change, it's not condemnation, but it is conviction. It could be condemnation if you see the word of God in the wrong way. Yes, you will be condemned. You'll be convicted to hell. Yes, that is true. But if you are in the light and the word of God is speaking to you, it brings you conviction, which leads to change, a transformed life, a transformation. That's why it says in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active. Do you understand that it is alive and active today? More than my words, these are not my words, it's the word of God. It says it's sharper than any double-edged sword, edged sword. So it penetrates right down, straight to the bone, cleanly, right down, smack down the middle, it goes right through. If you cut someone's arm or their limb, you are able to see the layers of the person's body. It penetrates. It says even to dividing soul and spirits, joints and marrows, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. If your attitude right now and the thought of your life is not in the Lord, the word of God will reveal that. It will show your life for what it is. So when it penetrates our lives, our heart and our thoughts today, what is it revealing? May we turn to the Lord for there is no hiding in him, from him. We must hide in him, in the word of God. Psalm 139, verse 23, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. We are tested by the word of God. It is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates. It's penetrating right now to your soul and your spirit, to joints and marrows. It's revealing your thoughts and the attitude of your heart. Therefore, we need to say, search me, God, and know me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Letter D was convicts me, leading to letter E. Please write down, transforms me. Again, conviction should not lead to condemnation and to jail, to hell. But conviction, when you're in God, it should lead to what? Transformation transformation, a transformed, a sanctified, a justified 
life. John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Psalm 119, verse 9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Psalm 119, verse 33 to 34, teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. We are transformed. Which leads to letter F, our last point here. Please write down, renews me, renews me, renew. Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. Amen. That's point number one, the word. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Point number two, and I'm going to quickly talk about this, the church. Can we turn to our neighbor and say the church? The church is, again, we've heard this before, the church is not the building. The church is the body of Christ, and Christ is the head of the church. I was just remembering the conversation that I had uh, just with... uh, my father, and just remembering about the challenges of everything uh, that we've been through, and just remembering all the things and obstacles that we had to overcome. Uh, But the reality is we had the church and all the churches around the world were undergoing the same trial. And praise God, for the church. Praise God for the body of Christ. Because the church will always exist. As long as Christ exists, the church shall exist. That's why we don't see just heads floating around, right? We need the body. And we don't just just have the body only, but we need the head. You cannot have one without the other. No human being can be the head. Only Jesus Christ is the head. He is our captain, he is our anchor, and he is our leader. He is our God. But we need to thank God, thank Christ today for the church. And the church will continue to exist because it is the body of Christ. Paul says in Romans 1.8, what does he say? In his letter, in the intro, he says, first, what? I thank my God through Jesus Christ for what? For you, for you, for the church. And he says in verse 9, how constantly I remember you. When he says, I remember you, he's saying, I pray for you. I am praying for you. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, these are the beginning, the intro of his letters. He always begins his letter by saying, thank you. And what can we learn from this? When we turn to God, No matter what we're going through, no matter how difficult the situation may be, we come to church and we say, God, thank you. Thank you for who you are, and thank you for this church. Thank you for the church. 
for having a space to worship you under the roof, under the banner of Christ. Thank you for the church. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. He says in Philippians 1 through 6, I thank my God every time I remember who? You, the church, and all my prayers for all of you, the church. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus will sanctify the church. It is not up to us. We work hard, yes. We do our best, yes. But we surrender and know that in, this, in spite of everything going, that we are going through, all the opposition, maybe members leaving, difficulty happens, drama occurs in the church. We need to be confident be confident, as Paul was confident in verse 6, where he said, being confident of this, and he was in prison as he said this, being confident of this, what does he say? That he who began a good work in you, he's talking about the church, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The church will exist for all of eternity, and it's the church of Jesus Christ. Until Revelation until the end, the church will continue to exist. And we need to pray for our churches right now. Like I share, in the past, in China, in other countries, they are changing up the word, the word of God. They're changing it up. It's talking about, one example is uh, the woman, where they're about to stone her, and then it says, they all drop their stone and they leave, and Jesus stones her by himself in secret. The arrogance and the pride that people will have to change the word of God, the audacity to change the word of God. So the word, the church, they all tie together. You cannot have the word of God without the church. You cannot have the church without the word of God. And who is the head of this? Christ. Like it says in John 1, the word was with God, and the word was God. From the beginning, the word is God. So what do we thank the Lord for here today? Thank you, Lord, for number one, the word and number two, the church. And lastly, point number three, your love, your love. In other words, you could write the relationship. You could even write the relationship, your love. And what do we receive in this relationship, in this relationship with Christ? What do we receive? The Bible says, letter A, so point letter A, your provision. Please write your provision. Your provision. He provides for us. And I want us to reflect back upon these last few years. Did the Lord provide for us? Yes, he did. Of course he did. He always provided for us more than we needed. Matthew 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. Jesus is speaking here. The birds... They chirp, 
They do not sow, reap, or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father, what feeds them? Are you not much more valuable than they? Psalm 104, verse 27, all creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. Yes, yes, just like pets, they look to you for food. Yes, we look to God for his spiritual food at the proper time. Psalm 50, verse 11, I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. Do you hear that, Rod? Insects. So stop killing them. It's God's creation. Insects in the field are mine. Everything, every creature, your provision. If you have food in your fridge, clothes on your back, roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the world. If you have money in the bank, your wallet, and some spare change, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million people who will not survive this week. If you have never experienced the danger of battle, the agony of imprisonment or torture, or the horrible pangs of starvation, you are luckier than 500 million people alive and suffering. If you can read this message, you are more fortunate than 3 billion people in the world who cannot read at all. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Letter A, your provision. B, your discipline. Your discipline. Hebrews 12, Proverbs 3, it talks about the discipline of God. It says, my son, do not make light of God's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. What is it saying? It's saying he disciplines those he loves. That's what it's saying. Yes, it is painful at the moment. But it says what? It says it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You need to be trained by what? Not just lovey-dovey, smooches. Oh, everything you're doing is fine. Okay, you want to be this? You want to be that? You want to be an animal? This gender? Okay, fine. Be whatever you want. Enabling is not love. Love has limits. Love puts a stop to certain things. It brings discipline. Love without discipline is not love. It is dead. For God disciplines his children, he says. He says, if you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. If you are his child, may we be trained by the discipline that the Lord gives. Amen? Amen. And we do not despise the Lord's discipline. We don't resent his rebuke. As the Bible says in Proverbs 3, the Lord disciplines those he loves. And then lastly, let us see your forgiveness. Please write your forgiveness, your forgiveness. So again, your love, it brings letter A, your provision, B, your discipline, C, your forgiveness. We need to understand those who think that God is angry with you today. 
We need to shift that thinking, and we need to know that He forgives, that He has forgiven you today. Uh, the Bible is very clear in Psalm 103. It says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He's not short-tempered like you, like me. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. His anger does not last forever. Yes, he has righteous anger, anger towards sin, anger towards the rebellious life, our rebellion, our pride. But his anger is not forever. He's not, he, because he says in verse 10, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, you see that east is first because east, I'm just kidding, because <laughs> the sun sets down. So New York is better than Cali. As far as the east, as the sun sets and rises, as it rises and sets, so far has it removed our transgressions from us. Meaning day after day, day after day, as a new day comes, he has removed your transgressions from you. Each day you have mercy. Each day you have grace. Each day you have no new hope that is found in Christ. That's the greatest provision that we can receive. His forgiveness. The fact that he can forgive us. The fact that he can love us. The fact that he can give us another chance today is a testament of his love. His love for you. Your love. Your love is everything. My God. Paul says in Romans 5, 9, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Him and him alone. So again, the first section, the heads, the head part of the coin, the first part of the book as we split it right in the middle was what? Give thanks. And we just talked about these three points here, the word. We give thanks. Thank you, Lord, for number one, the word. For the word fills me. For the word guides me. For the word, it wises me. And it convicts me, transforms me, renews me. And number two, thank you, Lord, for the church. And number three, your love. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your provision, letter A, your provision, your discipline, B, C, your forgiveness. And then now, I want to close this message with the second half, repentance. Let's flip the coin. Let's hit the coin up in the air and then get to the tail section. Let's close the first section of the book and now let's go to the second section to complete this message. If I just came to you today and just spoke to you on his blessings, his love, it is not fair. Just like we cannot just love someone without discipline. When there's love, there's disappointment. When there's love, there is wrath. And because there is the wrath of God, he calls us to repent. So in this section on repentance, I just want to remind you here today, 
And it's something that I've reminded you in the past, but I want you to be reminded once again as we're in our anniversary service. Yes, God loves you. That is a fact. That is a reality. That is an immutable truth that you cannot change. It cannot be changed. This is the gospel, John 3.16. But if you continue on reading from John 3.16, it says, those who live in darkness, they do not love. They cannot see for they'll be for they're ashamed they're scared that their sins will be exposed they're in hiding like Adam and Eve they're in hiding they feel shame and guilt and they're in hiding but those who are in God we believe in John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life but that only applies to those who repent. Because repentance means, Lord, I realize that I am a sinner. I realize that I am a sinner before your holy presence, and I need you. Yes, you love me, but you call me to repent, to fully receive his love. The truth is, there's absolutely nothing you can do or cannot do for God to love you any more or any less. God created the earth, set it in motion, rotation at just the right degree of axis of angle. If earth tilted anymore, burn out, freeze out, we know, we understand this, that there's no heritable place, habitable place for human beings to live. We know that Earth is the only place in this galaxy that is habitable. And that's why Psalm, the psalmist reminds us that he knew us. He knew us before we came to be in our mother's womb. How he loves you. How he loves us. He loves you. But at the same time, me to understand the wrath of God is very real. And because he loves you, he will require of you to choose him freely out of your free will. He will not force you. Imagine some of you, you know, someone comes up to you and says, I love you so much, you know, I love you. And I'm going to force you to marry me. I'm going to force you to love me. It doesn't work like that. And then if you're not going to love me back, then I'm going to force you to do it. Now you've gone to a level of stalking and forcing and you're breaking laws. But if you truly love them, you will give them the free will to decide to love you back. And that's what God does. He cannot force you to love him. He cannot force you to repent. He is allowing you right now in your free will to choose him and to love him and for you to repent. And for you to truly repent, you need to realize the reality of this life, that the wrath of God is real, that God hates sin. It says in Psalm 5, 
For you are not a God who is pleased with sin, with wickedness, who do not delight in wickedness. With you, evil people are not welcome. Do you hear that? That doesn't sound like a loving God. Evil people are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. In other words, sin. You destroy those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty and deceitful you, Lord, detest, meaning the Lord abhors deceit. Psalm 11.5, the Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. I didn't know that God could hate. He hates what? Hates wicked individuals, the wicked things. We understand that the Lord is holy. We need to understand that. We have to understand that. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue righteousness. The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but gracious words are pure in his sight. So the best prayer for us to turn to, to repent, is found in Psalm 51. And may we understand and pray to God as David prayed. Have mercy on me, O God. I repent. Have mercy on me. According to your unfailing love, have mercy on me. And may we pray today, Lord, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I'm going to say it again, the joy of your salvation, the joy that you once had. You don't need anything else. You didn't need anything else. All you needed was the salvation that came with Christ the joy of your salvation. And grant me what? A willing spirit, a willing heart, God. I know you can't force me, but I want to. Give me a willing heart, a heart that is strong to pursue you, to sustain me. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit. And what does the Bible says? It says a broken and a contrite heart. You, God, will not reject, will not despise. Some of us who are here today in our journey, you become two things. In your life, you become two, one or the other. That's it. Number one, you get better. Or number two, you become bitter. One or the other. There are two types of old people, right? The really generous, gracious, kind, old individual, or really the angry, bitter individual. There's really no in-between because life, that's what life does. 
It hardens you. It hardens your heart. If you let it, your heart will be hardened. But you need to allow the Spirit of God to come and soften your heart as King David. We need to turn to him with humility here today. Going in full circle to the story of Joseph, I remember when I read the story in high school, again, I was just a, a new Christian. And as I was reading through Genesis, uh, Joseph was just such an amazing character. And I just remember, and I've shared this before, and I, as I read this passage, when it says he wept, when he saw his brothers, he wept. He went for a place to weep because he didn't want to show his sadness and his hurt, his anger and his frustration. And he says he wept, and he didn't just weep once, he wept many times. I'm sure even in prison or even in the beginning as he was in Potiphar's house, wrongly accused, leading up to it, he was thinking how unfair this is, how my family, even my own blood, have betrayed me. Just imagine the betrayal. Joseph is the example, other than Christ, is one of the examples where he could have walked the path of bitterness, especially when he saw his brothers, and he's in a high position. You really understand someone's character when they're in a high position. It reveals their character. Joseph, at this point, he could have destroyed anybody because second in command next to Pharaoh. But he understood that God was his commander. And God, Holy Spirit, gave Joseph a heart of love. And that's why Genesis 50 verse 20 is so powerful, going in full circle, where he turns to his brother and he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Does that mean, am I saying, okay, you have a family member or a friend, they're bringing toxicity to the relationship, they bring you harm. Does that mean you go and seek for that restoration? What happened with Joseph? It came to him. He was faithful to God. He didn't allow his heart to get bitter and hardened. And then everything worked out to his favor. I am asking you, if you are in a position and you have an issue with someone and you care for them, you wait especially after many attempts and same thing, habitual things happening over and over again. At that point, we need to release and let go because love also means to let go. And then in the right time, the Lord will work out his miracle and he will allow your life to be settled because when you're in God, he will make everything clear and he will restore your brokenness. So as Joseph waited, and when that time comes, may we say the right things, the truth. Again, love is discipline, saying the right things 
And as Joseph said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Amen and amen. amen. And we see the model through Jesus, through Jesus, I said Jesus, because Joseph, Jesus, Yeshua, Joseph, similar name. We see with the life of Jesus, wrongly accused, wrongly treated. But what did he say? What was it, Brother Enrico? Please forgive them, for they do not, do not know what they, what they were doing, <laughs> what they do. Amen. Amen and amen. amen. And when we have that heart, and just like what we saw in the video, even in death, we are able to lift up our hands. So whatever situation you're going through right now, don't be succumbed by it. Don't be succumbed by your emotion, your feeling. Overcome it through the Spirit of God. And give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Amen. And amen. amen. There's a song in the other message that I wrote down. It's the same song that we, uh, we saw in the video. And we know the song, right? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, no turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Amen. Amen. I invite the praise team to come up. And with that, I want to invite you, if you could just close your eyes with me at this time. You know, life will end. It is bound to come. The end will come. You cannot stop it. And when the end comes, what is our plan? What is the end game? Christ is reaching out to you and talking in your heart right now for you to turn to him with thanksgiving. Because without thanksgiving, you will have what? Complaints and bitterness. No matter what our situation and circumstance may be, we need to turn to the Lord with thanksgiving we cannot turn our back against him we need to turn towards him and look to him yes it is painful and difficult at the moment 
but you need to look to Him. May you give thanks here today. And may we flip the coin, and with that thanksgiving, with all the love and everything that we receive, His provision, His love, may we turn to Him with repentance here today. May we repent of our sins, as David did, and turn to the Lord with thanksgiving and with humility. For a broken and a contrite heart, you, Lord, will not deny. Amen and amen. amen. He will not reject you, for he remembers you and he knows who you are. Turn to the Lord with humility. May your prayer be today. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Let's just come together right now before the Lord as this is our anniversary service and we meditate upon this journey. What a journey. Thank you, Lord. May we repent. May we meditate. Give thanksgiving. And let's ask God to forgive us of our sins. Can we pray together? Let's pray together.
Father, with a grateful heart and with an outstretched arm, with a song of praise, we bless your name. We just want to say today, as we just sang, thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just choose today to repent before you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, and I repent before you, Lord. I thank you, God, for your provision and for all your goodness upon our lives. May we realize and know in our heart with true conviction, Lord, you are the head. Thank you, God, for all that you do for us. Just as the missionary Simon that we just saw in the video earlier, may we always turn to you with thanksgiving, no turning back, looking forward always, and being under the banner of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for today's message. We thank you for this time of prayer. We thank you for this time of praise and worship. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And all of God's people pray, amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Uh, with that, we're going to close our service with the path of life in Jesus. And before we do so, let's give a hand for the praise team. And let's give a hand to the Lord. And as we sing this song, uh, may we reflect again of our anniversary and let's meditate upon the journey and say, what a journey, not I hate this life, or Lord, I hate you, but we say, thank you, Lord. Amen. And amen. amen. Just like who? Joseph in Genesis 50, verse 20. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's sing together.
go to our seat and let's close our service for this Sunday with the prayer of benediction. Are ready? All right, let's pray together. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you, and may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And now may the unending pursuit, may the unending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gentle counsel and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, which surpasses all the knowledge of this world, may continue to keep you, guide you, lead you, and protect you forevermore. And as God's people, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Love you guys. I'll see you all in the back. God bless you.